So some months ago, I uh, received an invitation to perform a wedding ceremony for a young woman that was part of the youth ministry where uh, that, that I volunteered with before I went to seminary. And so uh, we traveled uh, up to Dahlonega, and we really enjoyed Lauren and Jamie's wedding. And there were some m really memorable moments in it, uh, for sure. Uh, it was at Wolf Mountain Vineyard, and it was just incredi incredibly beautiful. They had a pavilion, and it was in the evening with the sunrise kind of behind us, and it was just, it was awesome. It was a beautiful setting. Invitations were great. The Jamie, the nervous groom, appearing not to be nervous. Can I get an amen? It's like, uh, you know, the, the, I, I, I'm, fi I, I, I'm fine. Yeah, okay, don't worry about that. And, and by the way, if you're not married and you're nervous when you get married, you're supposed to be. It's okay. <laughs> Uh, of course, uh, Lauren coming in, um, just radiant, glowing. And then we had the, the twin boys. Lauren's sister Kelly uh, had, had a pair of twi some, uh, twin boys, and they were part of the rehearsal. They were supposed to, I don't remember if it, they weren't the flower girl, but they were supposed to walk together, and they were out of control. I mean, they were just like, just everywhere at rehearsal and, and going crazy and, and, and to the point where they were like, I don't know if, if we can do this. <laughs> I don't know that they're going to be able to do that. And then, of course, on the wedding day, they get in and they were perfect. They walked up. They, they did what they were supposed to do. And they turned and they went next, sat down just <laughs> exactly how they were was supposed to. You know, it was a memorable, memorable day. Now, the interesting thing about weddings is that no one really remembers much about what the preacher has to say unless he messes up. And then, they, then it becomes a topic of conversation. We just hope that the preacher doesn't go long, right? You know, that you just keep, keep your, yes, can you keep your section down? Now, I'm going to confess to you, I struggle some with weddings, not because I don't like them, not because... Uh, they, I don't enjoy them, but because they're a big deal to me, they're a big deal, and it's a one-time shot at getting it right, you know, and uh, I want the day to be amazing for the couple. My goal is, you know, that, that, this, that the wedding becomes what the couple and God want it to be. And that means that I tend not to seek weddings out. I'm not one of those pastors, <laughs> preachers that goes, hey, I'll, I do weddings on the side. I, I do weddings generally, in fact, exclusively. I don't think maybe one time I did one for somebody that I didn't know, know pretty well. I d the weddings that I do are for, are for people that I know and I'm a part of their life and they're a part of mine. And over the years, I've thought about the question, why God? Why marriage? Why did you create marriage? And so that draws to a fairly predictable place in Scripture. It's in Genesis chapter 2, and uh, it's in 2.18. God looks at the man and sees it's not good for the man to be alone. Genesis chapter 2. It's not Adam or Adam. By the way, Adam is just the Hebrew word for, for man. It's Adam. Um, so it's not like the dude was named Adam. <laughs> It's, it's the, the, the word is for man. But Adam's not the one that noticed that. It was God that noticed that. God noticed, typically, you know, men, we don't, we don't notice stuff. Oh, I think it's going just great. Of course, it's a good thing that Adam didn't look at the platypus and go, hey, I like that. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> um, but 
I'm sorry, Lord. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> God noticed, right? God was the one that noticed that that Adam needed a helpmate. It's not. A, it wasn't about happiness, and it wasn't just about loneliness. It was about something much more. God knows what's in the future not God knows what's coming he knows that there's going to be temptation he knows that they're going to succumb to temptation he knows that that Adam is is going to you know create and participate in the fall and sin entering into the world and he knows all of those things and this intimate relationship that Adam had with God is going to get disrupted God knows all that Adam doesn't know that but God does. And so God says, Adam needs somebody. Adam needs somebody. So God creates an azer. E-Z-E-R. It's a Hebrew word that means helper suitable. A suitable helper. That's how it's translated. But I wanted to look at some scriptures because it's really easy to look at this and think, oh, well, that's just... Man, that, that, that's just Adam and Eve. But let me read from Psalms. Psalm 70, verse 5. Yet I am poor and needy. Come quickly to me, O God. You are my azer, my help, and my deliverer. O Lord, do not delay. O house of Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their azer, their help and shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their azer and shield. You who fear him, trust in the Lord. He is their Azer and shield. And a familiar Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help, where does my Azer come from? My Azer comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Do you see when when Adam, when when he had his suitable helper, this is this is not just a per, this is a holy, holy thing. We're talking this is a God thing. This is significant significant and I know that marriage can be wonderful some of the happiest and highest moments of my life have been with Kit I wouldn't trade that for anything I got lucky I am a very blessed guy because I can be annoying this this fun thing can can is, is is this Playful thing is pretty good for a while, but if you have to deal with it all the time, it, you know, that can get. And I'm blessed to have Kit in my life. But what if God's purpose in the creation of marriage isn't primarily about making us happy? What if God's purpose in the making of marriage is to make us holy? Throughout Scripture, God uses bride and groom in, in his talking about relationship between he and the church. This is, this is significant. This is a, a big deal. God created a helper for Adam to help him with this lifelong pursuit of holiness. See, that relationship was broken by sin. That holy relationship, that intimate holy relationship with God was broken by sin and Adam needed an azer. He needed a helper, somebody who could help him with that holiness. This is a partner 
for holiness. God wants to use my marriage to grow me and shape me in holiness. God wants to use your marriage to grow you and shape you in holiness. He wants to use it that way. He intends marriage to be a safe place to discover my struggles with selfishness. How many people fought over the toothpaste tube? You're not supposed to roll it up. You're supposed to squeeze it from the bottom. Nope, you're supposed to squeeze it from the bottom. You're not supposed to roll that way. You're just doing it wrong. Little things about selfishness. A bride was very nervous. It was right before the service. She wasn't sure that she could even walk down the aisle, and so she went to her mom. And her mom gave her some great words of calming wisdom, as moms tend to do. She said to her, honey, there's only three, three things that you need to focus on in this. If you focus on these three things, you're going to be just fine. So the first is walking down the aisle. Just focus on walking down the aisle of the church. I know it's pretty far, and you've got that big dress on, but just concentrate on that. Don't worry about folks to the left, and don't worry about folks to the right. Just walk down the aisle. Just focus on getting to the end of the aisle. Next, just focus on the altar because that's your destination today. You're making your way down to the, to the, uh, to the altar to make vows to, before God, to God, and to your husband, the man that you love. God will also make vows to you. Focus on the altar that represents the love God has for you in Jesus Christ. And last, focus on the hymn that the soloist is going to be playing. In poetry and song, the hymn embodies God's love for you in Christ, your love for your husband, and his love for you. So to help you not be nervous, just focus on those three things, walking down the aisle, standing at the altar, and listening to the hymn. Just those three. And the bride was very thankful to her mom, and as she got ready, she was feeling a little nervous. So, so she's starting to go in. The family and friends had gathered, watched as she walked down the aisle, and and notice that look of calm determination. I'm going I'm to do this. I'm going to be fine. I'm going to get down there. But she was mumbling three words over and over as she went down the aisle to, to help her. And as she passed, folks started chuckling because she was saying, I'll alter him. I'll alter him. I'll alter him. Marriage isn't a life. <laughs> Every once in a while you, you stumble across something. That's just awesome. <laughs> Marriage isn't a lifetime chance to change somebody else. It's a safe place for me to discover what I need to work on. Nothing has revealed my own struggles with selfishness <laughs> and my rights like marriage. That's one of the reasons we make it till death do you part commitment because if we didn't we, you'd leave not because of them but because of our own selfishness we'd take off God intends marriage to be a learning environment about his covenant faithfulness that's what marriage is supposed to be it's a learning environment about his covenant faithfulness this is a covenant this isn't just a contract between two people much deeper than that. There's a spiritual element, a God element, a holy element 
that is critically important for us if we want to live out the way that God would have us in our marriages. And seeing our own struggles with covenant faithfulness, seeing someone else's work in covenant faithfulness gives us a small but I think significant insight into the nature of God's commitment to us in his covenant faithfulness. Marriage gives us a glimpse into God. And this is a lifetime work. Amen. 43 years, still, you know, learning and growing together. That's, that's what gets you to 43 years and beyond. Amen. It's how that works. God has been faithful with us since our creation. He's been faithful to us. And the more of our lives that we spend learning to be faithful, the greater our growth in Christ, the greater our growth in marriage. God intends marriage to be a living testimony to the world about him. It's about his love and his grace. Let me ask you this. Does it require grace to be married? Yeah, both sides. You know, we do annoy one another every once in a while. Every marriage has that within it. So as we grow together, we learn how, how do you deal with those kind of things in marriage that annoy you? How do I show the fruit of the Spirit? And if you want to find out where, where, the, where your struggles are, get married. They'll show up. And your spouse will have no problem at all pointing them out to you. <laughs> Hopefully in a loving, caring way. A husband and wife are going through difficult times. It's their 12th year of marriage. So the wife suggests that if each of them would just make a few small changes in their lifestyle, then everything would be better. So she suggests as well that they do a suggestion box. And they'll write down those suggestions and put them in the box. And then at the end of a month, they'll get together and and they'll go over those and, and, and kind of do a review of different things that got on one another's nerves. So the wife is very faithful in, in doing that and in making, a, a, making that list. And so if the you know, husband doesn't put the lid back on the jelly jar, she makes a note of that. Or tears the ring off of the milk carton and throws it on the counter. And, you know, it's only the two of them. I don't know which, who's supposed to pick that up, but... You know, uh, little, leaves clothes on the floor, um, doesn't make the bed, those kind of, she's making those lists, and she puts them in there very faithfully. At the end of the month, they each take out the suggestions, read through them, the husband reads them and agrees. These are things that he can work on, that he could do better. He shares with his wife, I hope that if I can write a few of these, it will make your day easier. And she pulls out his suggestions, and each one says the same thing. I love you. I love you, I love you, I love you. See, anyone can identify faults. And by the way, that could have been flipped. It could have been the other way around, just as easy. But anyone can identify faults and expect improvements. It's only through the lens of grace and this unconditional love that we talk about, this agape love. It's through that lens that we can learn to love someone in full view of all their shortcomings and all their faults, we can, we can embrace those things because of grace 
and unconditional love. And as the world discovers that different kind of love, and they see that in us, then that will impact them as well. So we need to become an azer. We need to become a helper, a suitable helper. We don't try to fix our spouse, because guys, I'm telling you, it won't work. <laughs> it won't work. We work on our end of the deal, getting out of God's way. God, God is using you and using your spouse in this marriage to grow one another, to grow one another. And God wants to use each of our marriages to help us to become more holy. And to, so it's the best thing that we can do is to get out of God's way and help that to happen. I'm going to give a, a challenge and a prayer. This week, for the next seven days, I, I'd like you to do a threefold prayer for your spouse. And the first part of that is that we admit our struggles with selfishness. We admit our struggles. Don't admit, I don't admit Kit's struggles. <laughs> I admit Mike's struggles with selfishness. Philippians 2, 3 to 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Spend time each day, con we, we, we'll spend time each day confessing our struggles with our selfishness. Don't confess your spouses, just ours. Name them over and over and ask God for help in facing them. And the second is that we give honor to our spouse. We give honor to our mate. Honor one another above yourselves. Spend time honoring, elevating, and lifting your spouse in prayer, praying good things for them. Fill our prayer life with praise and thanksgiving for the person that they have put in our life. Pray for that. And the third is to renew our commitment to our covenant. We made a covenant when we got married. Ask God to give us the conviction, the courage and commitment to deepen our relationship, to grow in our marriage covenant. And you can frame that prayer however you want, but if you'll use those three elements, it'll help us to deal with our part when we talk about admitting our struggles with selfishness, giving honor and lifting up our spouse and renewing our commitment to the covenant that we made to God and to our spouse. If we'll do that, just for, try it for seven days and see what happens. By the way, if you're here this morning and you're not married, please don't leave under the impression that the only azer, the only helper that you can have is a spouse because it's not true. God provides people in our lives who act uh, as his agents in our life to help grow us. Sometimes they're mentors, sometimes they're family, but there are people in your life that God will use to grow you, that are helpers for you. They're moving you towards holiness. They're there. If you find yourself one day considering marriage, then please consider if that potential spouse is someone who's going to allow God to use them in a way that's going to help you become move towards this idea of holiness. And if you're here this morning and your spouse is not, maybe they don't participate in your spiritual journey at all. Or maybe just a little. First off, God is using you in their life. Don't, don't lose sight of that. You may not see it the way that you would like to. You might want to see exponential growth and, and a coming together. But God is using you. Stay the course. Pray this prayer. 
Remember that God is using your spouse to grow you as well. The people that know us intimately are the ones that, that we learn the most from. We want to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. And if we want to do that, then we have to engage in our relationships and, and live those out fully. And sometimes the people that are most challenging to us are pointing out something that we need to work on. Remember, God's using your spouse to grow you as well. And thirdly, remember that where God is in this, because God is, is, is with you. He is not over off to the side. He's with you in the journey. He's walking with you. He's no step that you take that he's not there. God is and will continue to be with you as you go forward. Now, if you are married and your spouse is here with you, I'd like for you to turn towards them at this time. I have a few vows I would like you to share that in this morning. I'm sure they're not the same ones that you shared at your wedding <laughs> since I wrote these for this sermon. <laughs> and I probably wasn't at, at your wedding. But I'd, it's up here, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be... You, I'll, I'll say it so you don't have to worry about what's up, up there so much. So please repeat after me. This morning I pledge to be an azer to you. With God's help, I will do all I can to remove my selfishness. From our marriage. When I fail, please surround me with love. As a first step, I will pray against my selfishness. And in honor of you each day in this week. Each day this week, pray. Pray. Pray against your selfishness. Pray in honor and adoration of your spouse. Pray for this covenant commitment, for the courage and commitment to grow in your marriage. And I wanted to close this morning with, it's a, it's a beautiful reflection on love from 1 Corinthians. And I'm going to read from the message. This is not the message. This is probably more familiar. This is 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Says, Love is patient and kind. But I wanted to read what the message has. It says, love never gives up. Amen. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Doesn't have a swelled head doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. That's love. You'll bow with me. Father, we ask, as always, that you would be in our, present in our lives, Lord. And, and for those of us who are married, Lord, I pray that we would seek in this week to find ways to honor our spouse, open our eyes to things that we've been doing that are getting in the way of becoming more holy. And Lord, help us to recommit, to have the courage to commit to the marriage that you have given to us. Lead us in that. For those who are not married, Lord, 
For those who are not married but one day will be, I pray, Lord, for their future spouse, that, that they would be a godly man or woman, that they would be the one that you would have for that each of those folks. Lord, in the meantime, Lord, bring Azers into their lives, people who will help lead and guide and support them on the journey. And Father, for those whose spouse is either not on the spiritual journey, not on a faith journey with them, or, or maybe a little reticent to join, Lord, I pray in those circumstances that you would open doors to draw them near, that you would draw them closer to you, and that you would give courage to those who find themselves in that circumstance, Lord, that, that their life is a testimony and that what they are doing as they honor you and as they consistently live out their faith is having an impact. Lord, for those who choose singleness, bring Azers into their life as well, Lord, mentors and those who will walk with them all their days, Lord, who will walk as friends and, and walk as, as leaders and as followers to help them grow. Lord, we, we want to become closer and closer to you. We know, Lord, that sin broke the relationship between humanity and you, Lord, but, but your Holy Spirit is here now. You reconnect us. Help us to live fully into that, to honor you in everything that we do, to walk fully in the grace and love you've given for us and heal those places that need healing and encourage the ones who need encouragement. In Jesus' name, amen.